crowd and <laughs> it's cold outside that's why all right well courts here so we can start <laughs> Sarah really I meant you but you know what I'm saying I gotta feed I gotta feed his ego All right then, well, let's get started. We finished up with the Israelites last week. We actually only got through their, the 12, 12 instances where they complained. There were two others, but we know those. The one Moses got in trouble for, and then the second one was the snakes. <laughs> hate snakes. Although on the snakes, can you imagine it for half a second? Because I wanted—I just love this thought, idea. <laughs> so, people are dying from snake bites. Moses prays to God, says, "Hey, what can we do?" He goes, "Make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and place it so everyone can see it. If they can see it, they'll live." If you know that's the case, and I'm playing the role of Moses. I go back to the kitchen area, which is now the blacksmith tent. You think everybody's not outside waiting, going, it's close enough, just put it up! <laughs> You're sitting there having snake bites all over the place. People are crowding the tent. I can imagine that's what they're screaming at. Okay, that looks enough like a serpent. Let's go. Just a thought that I had. Okay, we're going to talk about David this week, this morning, this week. And I have a lot of different... Viewpoints. We could, I'm not going to go into the normal, uh, um, but I don't think it's the normal view of David. This is going to be a little bit different. In almost a, not a refuting, but questioning the title that he has, a man after God's own heart. I have a lot of questions when you say something like that. But let's start off. So, who, do we, who went to go anoint David in Bethlehem? Anyone? Samuel! You win. So he goes, God tells him to go anoint David. The leaders of Bethlehem catch him on the way. Samuel, he's just himself. He just shows up. He's rolling and probably has a walking stick. <laughs> but they say to him, do you come in peace? Can you imagine? You are, you are a spokesperson for God. That's what your job is. You know you're a prophet. God speaks to you. You relay his messages. You are just showing up. This is actually a good thing. And people are afraid of you. What you're doing there, why you're there. You'd like to think that if you have that spokesperson of God showing up, that, hey, how's it going? Any good news? Anything great is going? I'm going to bless you all at Debar. Isn't that a possibility? No, no, no. Do you come in peace? How many remember, it wasn't that long ago, group of pews, group of pews, group of pews, two aisles. Okay. Back in the long day ago, we used to have card collectors. You had to fill out a card, put it on the edge, and we'd have little kids come by and collect them and put them back, and they'd sort them in zones and all the other fun stuff. I got to be one of those little kids. I'm standing at the back, right there. Dad's in his assigned seat, which was over here. And you have to be dying or dead or something's about to erupt out of you to get up out of your pew. Back then, that's just, you didn't, you didn't get up. 
and my dad never got up. He gets up, and he starts walking back. I am doing a self-check. What did I do? What am I wearing? I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. Why is he coming to get me? He walks to the back, comes by, keeps the poker face the whole time, and then turns, about to turn, and he winks at me, and then walks right and sits right behind my sister. Oh, she got in trouble for once. It was a great, great day. I was doing nothing wrong, but I was still afraid for what I had done wrong. Why would he be getting up and coming to me? She never does anything wrong. Ever. Except that day. I can appreciate, I guess, why the, why the leaders would have been a little nervous if Samuel showing up. Like, uh, why are you here? <laughs> However, as a, as a prophet of God, would that not have been a pretty sad existence? I mean, if people are afraid of, of you and everything you're about to say. Hopefully there was some good stuff. This was a good thing. Someone, someone in your city is going to be king. I think that'd be a good thing. So here's some questions I have. So in 1 Samuel 16, 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord left Saul, and an evil spirit of the Lord tormented him. My question to everybody is, how does God have evil spirits? Does he keep them over there in the backside of heaven? My view that I looked on this one was it's evil was in the world. That was never a question. He knew that it was there. God allowed an evil spirit. It wasn't his that he's holding on to. God has control of everything. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. There's nothing that he can't maneuver, manipulate, or otherwise on his will. Strictly his entitlement. Allows whatever he wants. He allowed, an evil spirit was ready to go and has been going ready the whole time. God just lifted the restraints. So, in essence, anything is God, so God could have an evil anything for the sake of all, all creation is mine. little twisted thought process makes a brain cramp happen, but it's something I was able to finally come, come up to. And he allowed an evil spirit already wanting to go, finally freedom to go and torment Saul, because Saul had left God, so God left Saul. So one of the characteristics of David is he absolutely had faith in God. Anybody have an example of that? Goliath, number one thing, okay. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, good night. He took on lions and bears while he's out in the, in the fields with the, the sheep, okay. His, I mean, it says, my rod and my staff, they come for me. When I'm out and I'm out hiking, or my Smith and my Wesson, they comfort me. And guess what? I still don't want to go up against a bear or a lion. It was that, that's true insanity. I mean, all you have is a stick. He knew what he's doing with it, obviously, because he killed him. But the fact of the matter was, that's what, if, if I have a gun and I'm going to and a bear's attacking me, I don't have any guarantees I'm going to hit him. And even if I did, bears don't know they've been shot and are dead. They keep coming. Yeah, this is me being afraid right now of the whole idea. And he said, no problem. I got my rod and my staff. We're good. Because why? He had faith in God. God's going to keep me alive if, if that's what he needs to do. He was actively being hunted by Saul, who was jealous and angry at him. And regard, this is, 
I mean, you asked me to do this. I'm doing this job. I did what I was supposed to be doing, following the rules, etc. And Saul's trying to kill me. Would you have been a little, little salty at God over that? I could. I mean, I would have. It's possible. Who wouldn't have been? It's like whoa, 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 whoa. I'm doing the, what you asked me to, and I'm being hunted by the man. What's going on? He had absolute faith in God. No questions. I'm not sure why this is happening, but it's happening. You know what's happening. You're with me while it's happening, so guess what? Nothing can go wrong. Now, put yourself in David's shoes for a second. Um, 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 a Midwest farmer. His job, he has a thousand acres and does soybeans. And all of a sudden, is now at the White House, living there. He's on every national, international news uh, 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 channel, all over every social media, the king of the White House says, you know what, you're so awesome, you saved our country, marry my daughter. So go from soybeans to this, I want you to marry my daughter, live here with me, everywhere you go, people are going to be chanting, they're going to be loving you. Although they, they're not loving you as much as, they're loving you more than they're loving me because people say, yeah, I killed my thousands, and you, you're ten thousands. But hey, that's no big deal. I'm not bitter. <laughs> so, how do you, th- all right, fine, let's not even go there. Anyone else you know that was not a celebrity, all of a sudden becomes a celebrity? Somebody who wins um, you know, the, the Powerball lottery, something of that nature. All of a sudden, they're everywhere. People love them. Someone who's a hero, save this person, that person, etc. They become celebrity overnight. Do you think that affects their personality? Can you get an ego out of that? Can you, I don't know, can, you, can your personality change it? All of a sudden now I'm important. People say I'm important. They told me I was important. People wait on me hand and foot. We don't know all that about David, but is it possible? Did it, did it cause him to possibly stumble from that pressure? This is a point to ponder I'm offering to you just for something to consider. Like, huh, it's real easy to read it in the Bible. He did. He lived, in the, he lived with Saul. He married his daughter. Life was good. People were chanting for him. He's, the only thing chanting for him before was a sheep. And now he's got women throwing themselves at him for sure. A few guys even. It's everyone adored them. And he was a good-looking fella. All right, I'm going to go on this tangent, and this is not a... uh, I'm really not going against David when I say this. I want it to be viewed just for a point in here. So, all right, I was saying... Mikhail. (laughs) My wife and I were having a disagreement about that when I was calling her Michael. His first wife, Saul's daughter, Mikhail. All right, Saul gives her to him in marriage... Thank you for killing Goliath. You saved us all. We're not having to be an embarrassment you know, to the world because we wouldn't go out there against one man, our entire army, and you defeated him. Life is great. Living in the castle. We are happy. Saul gets mad. Saul gets jealous. Runs him out, not only of the castle, but out of town. And takes his daughter back and marries her off to somebody else. Doesn't seem quite right. One thing we don't hear about, though, is David and Mikhail never got divorced that we know of. And it was, oh, it's Palti is who ended up marrying her later. Now, 
That was wife number one. Later, he, the wife of Nabal, who David had helped at one point, and then Nabal treated him poorly, David is on his way to kill Nabal. So he obviously treated him very poorly. His wife steps in, says, please don't do this. We don't know all the specifics on that, but steps in, stops him from killing her husband. Then her husband dies. She follows David's messengers. Here's the sentence in the Bible. Follows David's messengers and becomes his wife. So I plan on following Jeff Bezos and becoming a millionaire. Because it works out that way. Just followed him, became his wife. Okay. Number two, that's Abigail. Ahinoam of Jezreel. Now, in the scriptures, the word wives is the same word as wife. So the Mikhail is gone, still his wife from what we understand. Abigail and Ahinoam now, they are the same word, wives and wife. So neither one is wife and the other one a concubine, girlfriend, whatever they are, they are equal from what I'm, what I'm reading and understanding. So take that for what that's worth, okay? They share the same title and allowance that comes with being the wife of David. And then he marries Mekah, Haggith, Abital, and Egla. He just marries four more women. Doesn't take much or doesn't take a big leap to figure out where Solomon got the idea. So here is the fun side of things. We have six wives. Make sure I'm reading that. Seven wives, excuse me. Six that he has with him. Now, I'm trying to paint a picture of David, so bear with me. Saul and Jonathan died in battle. The house of Saul and David are fighting. There's a civil war, for lack of a better word. David's side is not only winning, it's growing stronger. Saul's is weakening. Okay? A cooler head prevailed and tried to work out a thing, not to, not to unite the two, but to bring peace to the two families. David, you are winning. You're going to take it. Go, please let my family have peace. What little we have left. Okay? Is that fair? And so David said, you know, okay, I will. One condition. And I don't know that I understand this one. Nobody asked me. But I'm telling you my own thoughts because it's a point to ponder. David says, fine, I'll do it. I want Mikhail back. I want my first wife. Where is she? So the relative of Saul goes, grabs her from Palti, drags her out of her house with Palti crying, whining the entire way, which I wouldn't be crying and whining. I would be fighting, but that's just me. But regardless, I don't know. He was crying and pleading the whole way. So putting that in your mind's eye of what was going on. Was he sitting there? Did he struggle? But I mean, let's go against, if if this was Saul, former king's son, grabbing her, his sister, hauling her out, he probably came with some friends. Friends tougher than you. And so it's, it's going to happen. So, lose your life or get over it. 
So finally, he turns around and says, go home. I don't know. I don't, go home with a knife to your throat. Go home with a spear to your face. That usually can you know, influence someone's decision making. So he turns around, upset, and he goes home. He was with her, we know at least for five years, because she had five sons by him. They actually liked each other. But guess what we don't hear about between those two when she goes to David? Because she lived in the castle with David as husband and wife. We don't hear about a divorce. So we know there... Here's a, here, this is a question I have, because I haven't heard about this one until I, we thought about this last night, but multiple wives happened back in the biblical days, did they not? Did multiple husbands? I, don't, I can't say they did. I mean, this is a potential example of this because she's married to both Paul T. and David. I really don't know the answer to that. That's just something to consider because if we don't hear about the divorce, just because we don't hear about it means nothing. We know that. However, we don't hear about it, so we can't just say, oh, absolutely not. Something to, something to think about. Okay, now... <laughs> She's living in the castle with the, uh, the other six ladies. The Ark of Covenant is being brought back to Jerusalem. Does everyone remember what David was doing in front of the Ark on the way back? He was singing and dancing and with vigor. He was really getting to it. What did, what did Mikhail think about that? Look at the mango. He's got some moves. Whew, I am married to a moving queen. Or? Nope. She's like, this is what you're stuck with? You're dancing. You look like a fool as the king. What is wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? She's not talking very respectfully or nicely at all. And David says, you're right, dear. I'll sit down. No, no. David said, I am celebrating my Lord, and I will continue to do it. If you don't like it, it's going to happen. Well, things got a little cross between Mikhail and David. She continued to be his wife. She just continued to do so elsewhere. She lived in the winter castle, I guess. So they are done. My note here says, obviously the honeymoon was over. So, sad fact is she had five sons by Palti, no children by David. However, she had no children because later we learned that the five sons were given over to the Gibeonites because the Gibeonites and Saul's family had issues, and in order to quash those, the five sons had to be given over to them and were killed. Oh, yeah. She's going to be a happy person. So, Mikhail had a rough go of it. My thoughts, or a question to everybody here, was her life fair? <laughs> was it her life? She's a, we don't know how old she was when she was given over to David. He was, how old was he, 15, 16? He wasn't even, he wasn't military age when he was, killed Goliath, right? He was a young, young, young guy. He went in the army. So, 
she was going over, let's just assume they were the same age, close to it. Maybe she was younger. Given over to him. Then, she, I mean, if she is younger, then how about this? She is, she is, I'm, she's got an ego herself, potentially. She, I'm the king's daughter. I'm married to the celebrity. The good, this is the younger version, but the young version of Brad Pitt. He can do anything. Then she's yanked away from him and given to somebody else. Well, she didn't like that. But this guy's not so bad. We're together. He was crying for me. I missed him. I got to go back to him. I got to go back to him and six other ladies. So I'm special. Then, my husband's an idiot as far as I'm concerned. And my dad's dead. Everyone's gone. I'm just, I'm just being thrown around like a piece of meat. What kind of rights did women have back then? What kind of value did women have back then? Little to none. You go where I tell you, and you do what you're supposed to do. Have a warm glass and shut it. That's really about how it was. I don't care if you were the king's daughter or if you're married to the king. You have married to the king. You have a little more authority, but you still need to shut it when someone tells you to. That was a pretty rough life for her, I feel. So where along the way did Bathsheba come into play? Shortly after this. God promised a seed that would follow David and rule an everlasting kingdom. Bathsheba had a son named Solomon by David. So Bathsheba is on the roof bathing. He couldn't sleep one night, so he goes out in the cool of the night to clear his thoughts. I don't know. And he sees her bathing on the roof. She is gorgeous, but he wants to know who she is, so he sends for her. She arrives, and he sleeps with her. And the question I have, two questions. Was she wrong to go to him at night when he was sent for? And was she wrong to sleep with him? The answer is, yes, she shouldn't have done that. All right, let's go back into that one. I want it to be absolutely, positively, abundantly understood what occurred between David and Bathsheba was rape. Whether forceful, kicking and screaming, I wasn't there, I don't know. But at the very least, the very least, it was power rape. I am the king. The phrase, it's good to be king, is said for a reason. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Kylie, you're going to be my... You're gonna be my saying, five guys show up here in the suits with the shades. Everything about them screams FBI, CIA, NSA, any alphabet you want to throw up there. Comes around the corner, walks this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And guys, Kylie, I need you to come with us. In today's times, we might say, oh, what's this about? There's still five guys who have more ability to do bad things to me than I have to do to them. So guess what? Kylie's going to go, uh... Okay, somebody called my husband. Uh, uh, we're walking out, wanting to talk to somebody, looking for a lawyer. I don't know what's going on here. But you're going to go. Now put yourself in biblical times, what we just said about women. You don't have rights. You're in a kingdom. He sends for you. He sent soldiers, I'm assuming, to go get her. 
Yes? Messenger for the king. Can I help you? He'd like to meet with you. I'll make an appointment for 8 a.m. tomorrow. Now. It's happening. You're in his bedchamber. There's two guys on the other side of the door with spears who aren't opening that door unless he says so. It's happening. What choices did she have? So, multiple different, he's the king, but also for her sake, but also Uriah's. This man is my, son, my husband's boss. He's in battle. He's at war right now, so he can make life go pretty poorly for him. <laughs> That's a little foreshadowing, isn't it? It didn't go so well for Uriah. So she ends up pregnant, and he does all, everything he can under the sun, trying to make it go away, and it doesn't. There was no love connection between the two of them right there. Was, you, you made all this happen. How, should she have, how could she have said no to him? And how could she have said no to the authority position of him? Here's another weird thought just I had. He's got six other women around, seven women around, and this is going on. Do you, do, so do you believe a castle doesn't have rumors or, or, or news gets across faster than an instant message? It was pretty instant message. They know what's going on. Those women did. What were they going to say? Nothing. Still women. Biblical times. Psalms 119, 47 through 48. David absolutely loved God's commandments. Even the ones that get him in trouble. Do we like all God's words in the Bible? I do like them. Don't get me wrong. But some of them condemn me. Some of them hold me responsible for my actions. Those are, those are less easy to read. The Bible is a set of rules, is it not? Can we agree with that one? An understanding. Here's, what, here's what's expected. And we accept them as our guide. So rules provide a sense of predictability and consistency. They actually promote physical and emotional safety and security. We know what to expect even when we dislike the results if we broke said rules. If you don't have rules, you have anarchy, right? So if there's no speed limit, guess what? Good luck. That's Darwinism at its best. I do love the Bible. I love what it has to say to me. I love what I read. I love the historical facts and all that, but I also love that it has rules. People don't necessarily like this, the way I say this, but the Bible, what, when we put on Christ, we are signing a contract. If you do this and follow these rules, I now will do this at this time. I mean, I don't mean to simplify it, and that's not what I'm trying to do, but to simplify it and down into brass tacks, that's really what it is. It's an agreement between you and God. It's a covenant anyway, but that is a, that is a contract. If you do this, I'll do this. this is, there's a whole lot more to it, obviously. But in the end, God said, if you did what I wanted, tried your absolute best, because I know you're going to fail, I will be, do right by you. I will take care of you. 
I can work with that. That's what the rules are. David loved that. Even when it got him in trouble. Okay. David was absolutely terrified, he says so, of losing the Holy Spirit. It reads, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Bible reads, that the Spirit of the Lord filled him. Psalms 51, 13, he asks pointedly, directly, not to lose the Lord's Spirit within him. Now, there's so many, so many smarter people than me. But the Spirit entered him. We have that luxury. After Christ died, the Spirit will enter all of us when we put him on in baptism. The Spirit is in us. In that day, it wasn't. Not in the same way we have it now. It's the luxury we have with Christ's death and resurrection. We have it within us. So he was given the Spirit at the time. It left Saul, which once there's a void, and that laid, allowed opportunity for the evil spirit to enter him and torment him. God, uh, God put the Spirit in David for a reason. Kept it there. And David knew it. was like, oh, oh, this feels nice. And he didn't want to lose that. I wouldn't want to if I knew that was... If, if I didn't have it before, I can't imagine what that feeling is like. But if I didn't have it before, that would scare me. And then to get it, it would terrify me then to lose that. Oh. Okay, so... Back to David... He's guilty of adultery, rape, lying, scheming, murder. Man after God's own heart. That's a tough one to sell right there. I would hate to have to be that guy's uh, PR guy. All right, so how can, we, how can we say man after God's own heart? And what, is, what even does that mean? God's own heart is pure, perfect, without blemish, great, everything, right? That's, that's what we would say. That's how I, that's how I would describe God, I mean, and, and I'd keep on going. But David, he had faith. Court said earlier, as a young shepherd boy, he slew Goliath. Picture, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I can't even think of it. Picture a skinny sophomore in high school. Maybe about 14, 15, right? Give or take. Then picture, any movie you've seen, a seven and a half foot Navy SEAL who knows how to kill and has killed and put them in the ring together, deathmatch. Who's your money on? The SEAL's the right answer. Unless you're David in the ring and God's with you. That's what transpired. The, the, the combat between him and Goliath, that's the equivalent. He was a skinny, dinky little shepherd boy going up against a hardened soldier who was a beast of a man. He had faith. He still went out there. David had absolute love of God's law. David himself wrote half of Psalms and we see over and over and over his adoration for God's word, for God and his word. As we said, without law is chaos. We aren't in the Wild West, and we don't want to be. There's no accountability. You have no safety. You have no peace.
do we have a choice in the matter of law or no law? Today, even the United States, the speed limit on this road is 45. Can I go 46? I went 47 on the way here, just saying. Yeah, I can speed. I did. I didn't mean to, but I was going downhill. That's okay, Mr. Officer, I'm sorry. But technically, I was speeding. The law is 45. I broke it. Now, was I doing that intentionally, being a jerk, without concern for other people that I'm driving next to? No, I was driving safely. I just have to be going a little over the speed limit. If I'm doing 80 down that road, red light, well, actually, red lights don't matter in Anchorage anymore, I don't think. People, that's more of a guide. But if I just decide I'm going, that's chaos. I'm going to cause a wreck, kill people, kill myself. It's just absolute chaos. We, don't, we shouldn't want that. If we do, you're, you, you, you need to talk to some people. God wrote the law with rules and with punishment. However, what does he throw in there with the rules and punishment, knowing you're going to break them, even intentionally or unintentionally? Grace and mercy. Yeah, you don't. Now, not a one of us. I'll be the first in line. Not a one of us deserves heaven. Can we agree on that? You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I really don't deserve it. And God says, I said you deserve it. So when I say, no, 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 you're wrong, I just told God he was wrong. So I'm now more powerful than God because I know more. Because he's wrong. No. God says it. That's reality. That's fact. Whatever God says, he goes, you are worth this. I am making you worth this. I need you to work to be worth it. But when you fail, I will still make you worth it. I just need you to want to. David knew he was wrong. Back in my day, I knew I was incredibly wrong. However, what I did know, and I always remembered with God's law and his love, was if I'm walking away from God, and when I was walking away from God, all I, all I had to do, all we have to do, stop, go 180 degrees, and take one step. It's that easy, and it's that hard. Because you have to look God in the eye. David was thankful. His life, we can agree, I hope we can agree, his life was full of turmoil. Although it had vast seasons of peace and prosperity, however, no matter what was happening, he gave thanks. He absolutely knew he wasn't innocent of trials and tribulations, so he wasn't mad when they occurred. But in Psalms 104, you hear where he's coming from. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. No matter what was transpiring. I'm being hunted by the king for being me. I have my family trying to usurp the throne from me. I screwed up and slept with somebody I shouldn't have. My baby died. I killed a man over it. 
give thanks to bless his name. Something we can take as for an example from David that we all need to do is David was repentant when he sinned. He pointedly says to Nathan, after sinning with Bathsheba, he deserved the death penalty. At that time, biblical law, he deserved death penalty. So did Bathsheba. But Nathan said that God put away his sin and that he will not die. Now, people have or could people have oftentimes, I mean, I've heard different stories of this. We were talking about this last night. Bathsheba, was she uh, was she wrong in this? Well, we are we talked about that. She's, she wasn't wrong. At no point do you hear that Bathsheba had to be talked to by God. This is all David. So I believe wholeheartedly that Bathsheba was the victim in this situation. Regardless, the law stated that. She was a party to it, and so <clears throat> it, would have been a, it, would have, it could have easily been slanted against her, and she could have been put to death as well. But Nathan says to him, you will not die. David admitted his sin. He asked forgiveness and then was repentant. Psalms 51, 1 through 5. David knows that he's human. He knows he's a sinner. And what he did to Uriah, what he did to the kingdom with what he was doing, but regardless, although it happened to other people, other people specifically, Bathsheba, Uriah, name it, when we hurt someone else, we sin against someone else, I cheat Mike Schoonmaker out of $20, whatever the case is, Mike's upset, but who am I sinning against down when you drop all the way down to the base level? God. There's a contract I signed with him. I will do this, this, and this. I sinned against Mike. Follow it down. I sinned against me. I sinned against God. That's what David understood, and that's what David did. And he understood that he was sinning against God, whom he adored. And when he figured it out and learned, he was repentant and hated it. Here's a psychology question. Anybody know how many positive things you have to be told or hear after you've heard one negative about you? Court's a sensitive one. He needs a thousand. A little smaller number, but you have the right right two. It's, it's ten. That can be that can be open minded to some people, but ten. So when you hear of David, we have his top ten hits to recall, and Bathsheba is one of them. And then we have studies like this. How could he be a man after God's own heart? He failed at times, sometimes really failed, but he didn't turn from God afterwards. He went to the one who could always make him whole and expressed regret and remorse for his actions. He was not failing 24-7, 365 throughout his entire life. But what we do and we can do, I mean, David's man after God's own heart, great character in the Bible of a historical uh, uh, you know, uh, person did great things but was he a man after God's own heart? That's a, how can we ask that question? We can ask the question because he had faith he demonstrated his faith and was committed to following God he didn't waver he tripped and stumbled, fell hit the first hurdle, road rash but what he did he didn't stop the race. He didn't lay in the grass. He didn't sit there and lick his wounds to the extent of, you know, can't keep him. He got up, brushed himself off, and kept 
running the race. He had his faith, he had his love, he was repentant, and he stayed the best course he knew he could, and when he wavered, he recorrected. He stayed the best path he could. I can't say that. I stopped, turned around, ran the other direction. Until I just realized this is no place I want to be. Then I stopped. Then I brushed myself off. Then I sulked for a second or two. Then I turned around. Then I contemplated if I had the guts to actually stand before God and be, tell him I'm sorry. Then I got back to church. Then I finally figured it out. Then I went forward. Do we all have that much love, faith, and repentance when we screw up? I'll tell you first, don't be like me. <laughs> it is a very lonely, lonely life. But it doesn't have to be. David didn't want to do this alone. He never didn't want to do it without God. So he made sure he always had him with him. Even when he screwed up, he kept him close. I believe I, after this study, I was able to, and I am able to, agree that David is a man after God's own heart. I hope you're able to see that as well. But do the study yourself. Read into it. Look into it. I never liked commentaries in college, and I love them now because they, they go so in-depth and like, aha, uh-huh, hadn't thought about it. That's a great point to ponder. And it broadens your mind and gives you a whole new avenue of things to discuss, think about, ponder, view, and go, okay, all right. Something I hadn't considered. All right, that is the end of our class. We are going to be discussing the fun topic of Job next week. Have a wonderful rest of your morning, and I'll see you at services.